All right, welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And we are Ember Weekend, and we're going to talk about some cool stuff. Uh, we have a really cool episode lined up today. Emberfest just happened, so I'm pretty excited to talk about a few things that came out of there and a whole bunch of other cool stuff. But I guess first, I don't know, Chase, you think we should like listen to our sponsors or something? I don't know, maybe. Yeah, all right, sounds good. Hello, I'm Corey. And I'm Matt. Matt and I started our consulting company, 201 Created, five years ago. We've been passionate about Ember and its community since we started and are proud to be able to sponsor Ember Weekend. Our clients have included Fortune 50 companies and Y Combinator startups. If your team needs Ember training or advice or wants to learn how to make open source work for you, visit us at www.201-created.com or follow us on Twitter at 201 T-W-O underscore O-H underscore O-N-E. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. All right, so the first thing we want to talk about is a post that has been uh, on our notes for a couple weeks now, and unfortunately, we just haven't been able to to put it into an episode yet. But luckily, this episode is the day. Is that is that it's too dorky? Anyways, it's called the Ember Run Loop and Asynchronous Testing by Ariel Jackson. She interned at Square on the Seller Dashboard team, and it's a as as the name suggests, it's a rather in depth look into the Ember Run Loop, diagnosing a specific problem in a testing environment. And it's really, really neat. There's a lot of really cool things to it. And we've, we've mentioned this a number of times throughout the course of Ember Weekend's history about, I think I even characterized it as Bozo Buckets. This is ringing, is this ringing bells? Oh, bells? Yeah, definitely. Everyone remembers Bozo oh, Buckets. Oh, God. Who doesn't forget? How could you forget Bozo? Anyways, yeah, understanding the Ember Run Loop, I think, is a really fundamental part of understanding a certain class of bugs and a certain class of you know coding in general and user experience. And this goes into really wonderful detail about like kind of exploring and poking at how to approach understanding the Ember Run Loop and then also solving the problem. It's also, especially with things like Ember Concurrency and there's like more of a discussion around really sophisticated asynchronous interactions and user experience. Understanding this is really, really like critical. So I think this is a great blog post to kind of get started and, you know, just kind of get your feet wet if you're new to the Ember Run Loop asynchronous kind of thing. Maybe even just the JavaScript thing, because I think this kind of goes into that a little bit as well. And like why you wouldn't just use something like that timeout or, you know, all that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's a really great discussion. And I definitely recommend that you give it a read. All right. And the next thing we're going to talk about is QUnit DOM. This is another great tool by Simplabs. This one, I believe, was worked on by Tobias Vignac. It's got a really simple API. It basically seems like it's like, a way to not have to use jQuery. And it seems like this is going to be used in integration tests. And so you get this API like assert.dom, h1 exists is the example they give. And it gives you very simple things. So like, you know, there's an h1 in this thing that got rendered. There's an input, that input's focused. So it seems like you're not you're not testing an entire page with this. This isn't like replacing page objects. This is for testing, you know, small components. But the, the convenience of it is that there is no jQuery dependency of it. So they've, they've, they have another tool uh, at Simple Labs. I think it's like native DOM helpers. And that was a sim- similar kind of approach of like, let's give you all of this native stuff, make it uniform across acceptance and integration tests, not have any dependency on jQuery. So yeah, this is a, this is a great tool. Yeah, I, I really, I'm excited to, to, to see the talk that this came out of. I believe this was re- released at Emberfest. So just this past week, I want to say. So I'm really excited to see you know, all the rationale and maybe the first app or the app that they used it on or whatever examples they come up with. It'll be really interesting to see like what kind of future is going to happen with, you know, DOM helpers and things as we kind of go into this jQuery-less future. 
which I know that's not necessarily ever going to happen, but I mean, it's becoming increasingly possible or feasible to kind of remove the insulating layer of jQuery. So tools like this are going to have to exist. And yeah, in, in the tight integration with QNIT, having this DOM helper be on the assert itself is really cool. I think it's a great step. So like I said, I'm really eager to learn more about it and experiment with it in my own projects. All right, the next thing we're going to talk about is a blog post by Lauren Tan called Skeleton Screen Loading in Ember.js. And this is cool because it, it goes into like her, her methodology and like things she's she's doing now to get this effect of skeleton screen loading. You're probably all familiar with it if you use the Facebook mobile app or anything like that. When you load a page and you kind of just get like shapes of general places where things are going to be, and it gives this appearance that the page loaded a lot faster than it did. So it's kind of a little trick, but it also is nice because it gives your the user a idea of where things are going to appear on the page and like where to look for a second for the things to show up. Yeah, I kind of think of it as like a like a like a, a next generation spinner, you know, like it, you know, spinner was like really good for and is still good in some cases for like giving enough information to the user, but you can give more information and give like geometric information about where things are going to be generally. Which yeah. is really neat. Yeah, cuz I think like, you know, some things like Google Photos maybe does this where it gives the size of the photo and also kind of the general color of it. Yeah, um, that's really neat. I yeah. actually really, really, I really think that's neat. I, I, I think there's actually like a thing in, was it Cloudinary or some some image thing that'll actually give you, it'll calculate that color mm. for like the, the average color of a, of a given image that I, I think, I think you actually showed me that. It's pretty neat. And for for this exact purpose, you can you can use it to kind of show general ideas. And so the, the rest of this blog post, she goes into like how you would implement this number. The kind of first step is you can't just have your routes blocking and loading models because then the rest of the content doesn't load. So the idea is you're not using your routes for model hooks. Instead, what you do is you have some wrapping component and you use the that component's lifecycle hooks to call fetches and get your data set up. And then once you do that, you feed them into, and in her example, she uses this library called Ember Content Placeholders, which is by Michael Sanag. And this is really cool because it, it's the exact UI kind of look and feel of that Facebook, you know, skeleton UI. Yeah, and I think it even has a little the shimmer, like the little shimmer from left to right. Oh, right, yeah, Facebook that was pretty does. cool. So there's pretty cool stuff. You know, beyond that, she talks about some of the problems you're going to run into. One of them being, if you're using any query params, the way it is in Ember right now, query param kind of responsibilities are split between the route, which typically loads the model and needs those query params, and the controllers, which kind of like bind things off of and say when to reload the entire route or, you know, all that kind of stuff. So there's a splitting of query param responsibilities right now. So she worked on a library that is called Ember Parachute that manages query params and this kind of like centralizes the responsibility of query params to just being in one place, which is pretty nice. Yeah, there's some really cool things in this in this blog post. I think that it, it, it like many really good blog posts has some twiddles, so you can kind of like click around and fiddle with how it would look and how it's how it act and feel. But yeah, this is a problem that I think comes up a lot. Manually controlling that loading state is becoming increasingly something that I have been doing because. Like the standard Ember style of like route level loading states covers a lot of user experience, but I think that once you start getting into it, you can really maybe tweak and do this other thing. I do have some questions maybe, Chase, you can possibly weigh in on this. I talked to somebody recently and basically saying that the skeleton UI has some, uh, what's it called? Like, Like people kind of expect it or expect to see it in a very specific type of infinite scroll style social app, so your Pinterests, Facebooks, that style of app, is there places for this to be used that wouldn't really kind of qualify into that space where you're kind of just scrolling and like you want it to show up, like the scroll could happen before the loading happens? Like is there maybe a more niche 
place for that or like another way you could leverage giving ge- geometric information about or like basic information about something before it's ready? I mean, any, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be infinite scroll. Like, I mean, I, yeah, I've seen that in places like Microsoft Teams uses this, uses like a, this kind of idea of a placeholder for infinite scroll. But I mean, even if you just had like a single complex page of like, hey, there's going to be ads here. This is where the content's going to be. And, you know, navigation's up here. Maybe navigation, you know, that's pretty static. That loads immediately. But yeah, your content's true. fetched async. So, you know, you might lay that out. I don't necessarily think you need infinite scrolling, but it's, I mean, obviously you don't need it if the content is loaded really fast. So if you're using something like Fastboot, there's kind of no point in doing this. This is really just for things that are slow asynchronous tasks or things that could potentially be slow. Because you may have this like trigger after like some millisecond timeout and say, wait, things didn't load up as fast as you thought it did. It would. So we're going to show this. Right. Yeah. No, that's a good, that's a good call. I, this is a, this is a really uh, cool, I, th- I like, I think it opens up a lot of possibilities for exploration and user experience. If you're, you know, out there listening and you have some ideas around, you know, when and where you might want to use this, yeah, reach out to us. I'd, I'd definitely love to hear some other examples and some other things like that. So yeah, reach out, but definitely check out this blog post. It's pretty in-depth and I think very well written as I think we've all kind of come to expect from Lauren. All of her work is great. Yeah. Check it out and let us know what you think. All right, and so the last thing we're going to talk about is, it's kind of a doozy. It was called the Glimmer Progress Report. It's by Tom Dale, and it's basically kind of an update on the state of Glimmer. It's kind of the Glimmer State of the Union, or actually, yeah, maybe maybe not. I don't know. It's, it's basically like this kind of rundown of kind of what's been going on in the Glimmer space and how that's going to relate to Ember on the Ember.js blog. And the reason I say it's a doozy is because it's really long and there's a lot to it and there's a lot of things that to, to mull over. I think we're going to talk over a few things, one of which is my new favorite Ember term, which is splattributes. Is that right, Chase? Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like a Switch game to me. It sounds like this, this sounds like Splatoon <laughs> Like to me. Splatoon or something? Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, it's like these, these are the attributes of your character. So these are the, your, yeah. your splattributes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's probably ripped from my game. <laughs> that's actually really good. It would totally fit for Splatoon. But yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of really cool things going on. And there's some things that are kind of unusual. And I think uh, as we walk through the blog post, Tom does a really great job of explaining at which point in the, you know, in the phase of development that this started making sense and kind of brings you t- through the the process uh, of like why each of these features kind of exists in the current state and what the plans are for them in the future. Capital components are something that, that they talk about where components, we always thought they were going to be all lowercase with at least one hyphen. And I think now they don't have to have a hyphen at all, but they have to be capital case, which I don't even think, capital case is kind of weird. It's not Pascal and it's not Camel. Whatever, capital case components, whatever that casing is. I'm pretty sure that's Camel case, right? Because Pascal casing is the one that, oh man, you you know what? Yeah, no, I know, exactly. That's why why I just wanted to say capital case. That's exactly why. So yeah, capital case components. There's a new feature called in-element, which... I believe is actually, I don't know, how, how, how do we feel, Chase, about revealing private API on Ember Weekend? I think we're kind of, we're kind of neutral. We're um, like chaotic neutral. You know, right? the, the public has the right to know. The public has the right to know. I am. Oh, well, the, the in element, in dash element thing is basically like uh, Ember wormhole where you can kind of put arbitrary bits of DOM as rendered in one template, other places with a little bit less of a nice API. Like the, it's a little bit more of a primitive. I, I believe like Ember wormhole could be made to use in element, for instance. So it's not like a replacement at all. So it's like a primitive for you to kind of like put DOM in other places. And it's in dash element. And I think right now you can actually use it with dash in dash element rather than in dash element. So yeah, I don't know. It's pretty cool. It's neat stuff. I don't know if that API is like fully fleshed out, like in the way that it will be brought into Ember. So, you know, bear that with a grain of salt, but it's pretty cool stuff. Chase, you have, you have in the notes, the portal in React. Do you want to expound on that? 
Oh, yeah, that was just something that uh, was mentioned by Tom Dale, that this is apparently a pattern used in React DOM, I believe, and they call it portals. And I like the idea of calling it a portal rather than a wormhole. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm on board with that. I'm on board with that. And then some of the other things outlined in this post in much more depth than we're going to be able to get into here are like binary templates, kind of both the state that they're in right now, which right now, I guess there's kind of, there's a lot to unpack about the the trajectory of Ember over time. But we used to compile our templates to JavaScript and now we compile them to opcodes and those opcodes are serialized to JSON. And that's the wire format that we talk about. We've mentioned a few times on the show. And that gets sent down to the browser and it's really, really fast to parse because JSON is very fast to parse and highly optimized. And some other things, there's a lot of other advantages to having the VM in the way that it is right now. And I think the next step that's been outlined in this post is kind of binary templates where we actually ship like actual binary code. And that's something I think they're they're actually, their, their extension is like GBX and it's not really supported yet. So I think there's still a long way to kind of go about figuring out how we're going to actually deploy this. But ostensibly you send those templates as like binary and then there's no parsing phase. There's just like, you have it. Here you go. Execute this, please. And that's going to open up some opportunities for, I want to say, is it is it streaming that this is? Or is it just like, it's just going to be faster? I don't think. I, I think to... it's just like very low cost asynchronous templates or something. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, this is this is something that we're definitely going to have to keep an eye out. I think there's a post by Chad Hyatala that kind of explores a little bit more in depth that's mentioned in the blog post. So we'll try to link to that. And yeah, I think the, the last thing we want to mention, although, like I said, this is kind of a, a list of things that we, that caught our eyes, is rehydration. And that is basically the idea that you'd be able to reattach DOM that comes back from like a fast boot server and kind of like hook it into the running instance of Ember so they don't have that like flicker where it kind of replaces the DOM. Like I think, is it even, it's even current implementations of fast boot do this, right? Like they don't do the rehydration yet. No, yeah, as far as I know, all of the current iterations of, of fast boot just like kind of flash the page. You typically don't notice it, if, if it's, especially if it's a lightweight app, because it's so fast that you might not even know. Yeah, but I mean, this is this is the idea here is that you wouldn't even have that flash. You would just, it would just reattach. Like the, I guess the, the VM as it goes over it would try to reattach to nodes where it could based off of information that they have serialized to the DOM, I'm, I'm assuming. More detail, obviously, would be great. This is a great point in discussion because I think this is still a murky area. So if you have some thoughts on that, reach out to us. I would definitely love to learn more and talk to people who have actually tried to put this in practice. Are there any other things that you wanted to mention about this post? This is a long one, so. No, I would just say uh, go read it. Like you said, it's a it's a big post, but there's a lot in it that is like going to be relevant, especially if you're kind of on the cutting edge of Ember. Like if you're a little bit behind, you can kind of just wait for this stuff to solidify. But there, I know there are a lot of bigger companies now that are trying to stay like right on the edge of the latest release. I mean, obviously, right now this has a lot more to do with Glimmer than it does to Ember. But Ember and Glimmer seem to be kind of going in the same trajectory, and eventually you're going to line up enough where you can you know upgrade from Glimmer to Ember and all that. So yeah. maybe well, I mean, good I think to know. The, the, you get those like those like experimental features from Glimmer and kind of like as they solidify, then I get them. You know, like I don't I don't want to I want to have those like painful uh, or no I'm sorry painful painless <laughs> <laughs> yeah asterisk painless as up, upgrades where I just get new features like I want I want the new in element I didn't have to pay for that but now I get to use it. You know, it's just it, that's a really cool thing. So I'm I am excited about that. In short, read the post because it's really great. It's a chain of a lot of really great blog posts that have been posted to the EmberJS blog. So. Yeah, if you have uh, have a minute or if you're traveling or something like that, you just want to be, you know, know you have your your reading materials set, just grab this one and all the other blog posts for the past couple of weeks and catch up on some Ember news. All right, and that's all we have for this week. As always, you can reach out to us on Ember Weekend on Twitter or our topic uh, Ember Weekend on Slack. I'm Chase McCarthy. 
I'm Jonathan Jackson. And we'll see you next week.